0: Hello and welcome to the Comedian's Outlook. I'm Luke Antony and for this week I was joined by Darcy Silver. But just before I dive into that conversation, I just need to say thank you for everyone who listened to the episode last week with president Bonjo, all the ratings all of the the listens and the, the views that we got from it it was absolutely fantastic we really enjoyed doing it and it was completely organic we hadn't planned anything i didn't really know what to expect i've seen his act before really enjoyed it and it just turned out that we did the whole thing in character and it was phenomenal and i really really enjoyed it so if you do enjoy the podcast please do give it a five star rating and hit a nice review there as well it does really help it, uh, we keep ask podcasters keep asking for reviews and all that sort of Stuff, but it's just because the more people that rate it the more people can listen to it and that's that's really important for us but today i'm joined by darcy silva She's just an absolute class act. I don't know how else to describe her. She speaks about being a transgender woman in such an intellectual but comedic way, puts light on such a difficult issue, especially as she's struggled with it for so many years. She's known that she was in the wrong body since the age of three, which is so young. She's already been a finalist at the LGBTQ Comedian of the Year and the Southport Comedian of the Year as well. And she's even been endorsed by such a brilliant comedian, probably the best joke writer in the country at the moment, and that's Gary Delaney. She's obviously well-respected, and if she's this good now, then I can't imagine how good she's going to be in the next couple of years. So, anyway, please welcome to the show, Darcy Silver. So, you started off as a, a writer, predominantly, didn't you?
1: Um, yeah, I wrote for a long time. Um... I was very troubled as a kid. And you know how like some kids all lock themselves away and play the guitar? I just wrote comedy. I don't know why, but I did. So I wrote it for a long time. It's like my just creative output, really.
0: Okay. And yeah. so what What sort of things were you writing about when you first started writing?
1: Um, It's just like little stand-up things, puns and little jokes. And when I was about 14, I wrote a sitcom that was so bad it was good. And then bad again. I mean, I, f- <laughs> I found it. It was on a, like an old hard drive and a really old computer in my parents' garage, and the computer didn't turn on. But I cut out the hard drive, took it in, and got it off. It, it's horrific.
0: It's horrific. So it's not it's not when you're going to submit for a Netflix special or anything.
1: No, but I pulled some jokes out of it.
0: He did. Okay,
1: I pulled some out. Of
0: it. I, I don't know about you like when I I used to write I, with like mental health and things like that. Writing was one of my like, sort of go-to thing, like to to kind of like put things into perspective, to get it from my mind onto a piece of paper, you know, and. I don't know about you but when, whenever I used to I always find it funny reading back something that I read while I was in like a, maybe an episode for example and, I, and it makes you just makes me feel almost sick to my stomach like wh- why, what was I even thinking about at that time it's like if you if you go through an episode and you look at an old tweet or an old um, Facebook post or something you're like well, did I really say that I not know I was young but did I really say that
1: yeah it's, it's funny I went, when I was in denial when I was about about 12, 13 years ago, and beyond that, I was, uh, you know, very keen to prove how much of a girl I wasn't. So I wrote the most awful, you know, misogynistic crap. And I've, it's not bad, you know, it's just like 70s, that kind of, you know, just, no, it's not even misogynistic, it's just stupid.
0: Was it meant to be um, like ironic misogyny?
1: Uh, yeah, it wasn't really misogyny. I should take that back. It's more like, you know, like typical man humour, just talking about,
0: Okay, very stereotypical kind yeah. of, um, oh, we've got big cocks, that sort of stuff. Yeah, that, that kind of yeah. like
1: really trying to prove a point. And so it's totally useless and it's just, it's so obvious what I was trying to do, you know, when I read it back, I'm like, bloody hell, You know, it screams yeah. denial. So it's just in a file on my computer.
0: Never to be seen again, never, never to, to f- make it until, until you, you know, you're a big name and, and you, you know, the sun trying to do this massive feature on trying to find anything that you've not released and then... I know, I could imagine it. Ru- ruins your career <laughs> overnight. <laughs> yeah, but then sometimes like it's like the um, what's the the t- I never remember the name of it. Clock um, there's a terrible film that George Clooney was in. The originally something to do with tomatoes, and um, that's that's the only part. That's the only profound part of that I remember. Um, but yeah, about tomatoes. I voted the worst film in history, but now people watch it for irony and it's hilarious because it is so awful. Yeah, they so.
1: make some. On purpose, don't they? What's that shark one?
0: Jaws. No. Yeah. No,
1: sh- shark Mageddon or something. Oh okay. They made one on that's really bad on purpose.
0: Oh okay. Okay. But like airplane was meant to be yeah. like that, but and um, I, I quite like the ones where they, they make like genuine like well no, not say genuine, but fake continuity errors in them, where there's like you just see like a, a boom in the in the shot and things yeah. like that. And it's all there to make shoddy, shoddy cinema. But so um it says like, so it's, it's, un, it's, it's, um, it's not a secret that, you know, you're transgender women. Um, so you've known from a very young age that, someone, that, that you didn't feel right in the body you were in.
1: Yeah, I knew when I was about three.
0: That's I just, really young.
1: I just knew, you know, and it's, it's very difficult. It's a terrible, awful mm. thing. But I shouldn't as... say it, but it's very difficult to live with
0: i imagine it is like, i mean i i wouldn't understand i'm i'm currently illegal because i'm a straight white male and and it's, it's just one of those things but i uh, three i can't imagine understanding like the difference between being a male and a female let alone not feeling mentally okay with who you are
1: yeah it's like um it's like living in a never-ending pantomime the, the way I describe it to people is like if you really like football, imagine wearing your opponent's stuff. Times that by a hundred. You just itch in your own skin. It's like it's unbearable. You just feel like you're living in a never-ending lie, and it's it's just horrendous. And like I say, it's just like a pantomime that never ends. And eventually, um, it just gets you. So you know, you either come out or it kills people. It's got the highest suicide rate of any demographic it's it's sickening how high it is and it's just so difficult to live with so you know um i I don't know it's just like
0: a i can't even begin to understand one of the things about about struggles and about um the difficulties that people have gone through the one thing that i do understand is that i don't understand you know i don't understand how it feels i understand how it feels to be sidelined to feel like an outcast I don't understand how it feels to be, to not feel like you belong anywhere at such a young age.
1: Yeah, but I don't think, people don't, you know, can't relate to anything that's not in their, that they don't experience. Like, you know, I don't understand what it's like to be a gay man. I don't understand what it's like to be a straight white guy. You know, everything's like different. And that's, you know, sometimes people say, well, you know, um, you're not a real woman because you never grew up as one. I'm like, well, you don't, know what your experience is like of life compared to you know your friends everyone's experience is different you know i only know what i am and what i've gone through and who i am and you know that that's just it but i know i'm a woman i've always known and um you know some people are born with an extra finger one in three hundreds born with like mixed genitals it's really common it's just like i got a female brain that's just the way it is
0: so have you discovered this at three years old yeah. and you hadn't even gone to school yet how did you feel going to school
1: um it was horrendous you know I moved to school uh five six times because I got badly bullied everywhere and um you know maybe that's where humor comes from you know could you use it as a tool I think it's that's what people do so in one way, I'm grateful, but in another way, you know, bullying never leaves you. It, it ruins you. And, you know, then I left school and ended up in a mental hospital. But this is very sad and depressing. And <laughs> I'm completely fine now, honestly. I am. No, I really am. I'm stable. I'm fine. I'm just fine. Uh, but, yeah, my childhood was pretty rough. And um, so I knew as a girl, and but back then it, you couldn't be. It was like saying, I'm a cat. You know, back then it was just like, no, you're not. Stop being ridiculous, you know. Um, You know, but then if you're born with mixed genitals, as so many are, they'll be like, oh, okay, we can see that it's mixed. So you can see it because you can't see brains. People are like, no, you're a boy and that's just it. It's like, well, I'm not. Um, So then you have to live it like that. And then, you know, you hit puberty and you want to fit in. You don't want to be bullied. So you go into this huge stage of denial and then it just eats you up and you go crazy. And then you end up coming out and um, becoming a comedian. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's the natural progression. Yeah, it's like yeah, that's that's the schooling, um, for for comedy. There is there are no like formal qualifications for yeah. comedy, but being oppressed and struggling with life and not feeling like you belong is definitely yeah. definitely a degree level. Um, so how did your parents deal with it?
1: Um, I think they dealt with it relatively okay, to be honest.
0: But I mean, before that, so did they did they try and bring you up in a way that allowed you to? separate yourself from the female genitalia or and and try and push it down to be towards being identifying as a man or were they completely open and said it's your choice you get to a certain age and you can decide whether you want to be male or female
1: um when i was young um there weren't really many things because i was in by the time i realized what it actually was it was just something you couldn't do or say because it didn't exist we like saying I'm a cat, so
0: I see. So that conversation never happened. They no. never pushed it anywhere. They just they just tried to allow you to sort of fit in as much as you
1: could. Yeah, I mean the things like I always played with girls' toys and stuff, and you did say you know you don't you don't want to play with that. You want to you know do you want a car or something? And I just didn't because I wasn't interested in it. And um, it was just very tough, really. You know, because yeah. you just all you want to do as a kid is just not be bullied and particularly when when I was at school I think it's quite different now but mm. you know if, if I would have said you know I'm a girl I get killed for it
0: absolutely I mean okay so when so you, you used writing as a way to put things into perspective to to sort of give yourself some self-healing in, in some respects or at least to help you cope in the most difficult times
1: Yeah, I think it's just everyone has their own creative output, like some people will just draw, some people do, I know, poetry, play music, sing, and any of the other arts, and for whatever reason, mine's um, comedy, I guess write comedy, I've always been obsessed with it, always, and um, so I write comedy, and I don't know why. Did
0: you have any comedians or writers that you aspired to write like?
1: Um, I remember watching Newman and Badil when I was young, and I was like, just it was, just blew my mind, really. Yeah, Bradale was fantastic. I was like, oh my god, this is amazing, and I don't know. if Pete, Lee Evans is, you know, just amazing. I've, I'll always, you know, think that's pretty much the pinnacle as far as I'm concerned, and um. But pretty much everyone, I see the talent in all of them, even comedians that don't particularly find funny. I like to find out why they do so well. There's a few very, you know, well-known comedians that I just don't find funny, but obviously they are funny.
0: Yeah, and you're seeing a very warped view of what their comedy was like or their progression. You're seeing a very polished after 10,000 hours of comedy yeah. sort of, you know material. So uh, you, once, you, once you get, once a comedian gets to a certain point, they have to be as likeable as possible and as, you know, um, accessible as, as possible as well. I mean, so when did you start doing stand-up comedy? What made you want to perform the writing?
1: Well, the story gets really weird. Um, so I wrote for a long time, years and years and years. I've got a ridiculous amount of material and I never had the confidence or the balls ah, 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 to go on stage <laughs> with it. Um, <laughs> And then my wife said, you know, if you never try, you'll look back and think, I never even tried, you know, and she was right. You know, it's a regret. I would have looked back and thought, you know, I can do it. And, um, but I didn't have the confidence, but then she has an eye disease and her eye disease took a turn for the worse. And she was told, you know, you you may well lose your eyesight. So then we went backpacking for two and a half years around Asia. So the whole gig thing took a, a huge delay. Yeah. You know, I decided right, I'm going to do it. Then we ended up backpacking for two years. Then we got back last June, no May, and then I had my first gig in June. That was a really long answer to a really easy question, wasn't it?
0: Okay, so no. So I just wonder. So it was that it was almost like an existential kind of moment where she said that if you're not going to do it now, you're never going to do it. Yeah. Okay. And she has she been a big part of of the journey with that?
1: Um, no.
0: No. Oh, okay. It gets
1: very, very complicated. Okay. I married her as a guy.
0: Okay, interesting.
1: And um mm. it's extremely difficult.
0: It's difficult, okay. I understand. I don't It's not easy, term. but no.
1: you know, we have a weird relationship.
0: Okay. Um so talk me through the material you, you started up doing when you first discovered you wanted to do comedy, what material did you start with?
1: Like years ago.
0: Yeah, when um, I don't know when you, started, when you started doing stand-up comedy.
1: Oh, um, well, I wrote long-form, you know, mostly, like long-form long, long form jokes. and uh, But I put a comment on the Comedy Collective, you know, one of the Facebook comedy forums, and I said, um, do I need to reference being transgender? Because I never liked the stereotypes, you know, I never liked, I never wanted to be, you know, like, oh, I bet they're going to bang on about being, I don't know, gay, Asian, black, or... Transgender, you know, I just didn't want to fit into the stereotype and, um, but everyone said, you've got to reference it. So I wrote some one-liners about being trans and so they're the ones I started with and everyone loved them. So now I kind of, I do some, of some one-liner transy jokes and then other stuff.
0: Yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so do you think that's where you want to go for the future or are you hoping to try out some new bits or try some long form again? Now you're comfortable on stage, now you're comfortable with what you're doing.
1: Yeah, in my Edinburgh show I did, I don't know, maybe five minutes, ten minutes of transy stuff and then the rest of the hour was just, you know, random long form. Even now, you know, my club set, it's only like five minutes transy stuff and then it just goes steadily darker. I'm known for like dark jokes, dark material. I I love going really dark because no one expects it from me and um, because I come across like this I come across like, you know, n- nervous and vulnerable I get away with absolute murder So yeah,
0: not, not literally You didn't no, go on there and murder someone and say, no, like, this is for the, the witches Yeah, um, not yet Not that not.
1: people have found out about
0: <laughs> uh, Sorry One of the things that really strikes me when with new comedians and stuff and it was the same for me and I'm sure it was the same for you is the that genuine like, fear of going all wrong and then performing to a silent room. Assuming as somebody who appears to lack confidence and self-esteem, how did you begin to give yourself the confidence to get up on stage and talk to a, a bunch of strangers?
1: Um, because I am, I, I don't know what it is. It's not like I'm not confident. I just sound like this, so you know, I've had to find a way to use it, but I don't really know. I just thought if I don't do it, I'll, ne- I'll always look back and regret it. So and I don't drink, i teetotal. And I was so drunk on my first gig. I drank like a bottle and a half of wine and I was just absolutely like smashed. And weirdly, Tony Slattery from Whose Line Is It Anyway? Yeah. Was that, that my first ever gig?
0: Yeah. And he was
1: so complimentary about it. You know, I carried on. Oh, I think that's what he said. That's what people told me he said, because I can't remember <laughs> I lost three days of my life. I, had, I left my car, then got a lift home, and couldn't find my car for two days. I had no idea where I parked it. I had a hangover for a week and a half.
0: A hangover for a week and a half? I nearly died. That. So how, how much did you actually drink?
1: Like a bottle and a half of wine. A bottle wine. Of wine but like... I don't drink, so it was good. Just...
0: Oh, so you don't drink usually, and no, on this drink. occasion you drank your, your presumably your, your body weight in alcohol.
1: Yeah, I Smashed. I had a hangover for about a week, a week and a half.
0: How was, the, how was the gig?
1: Apparently, it was brilliant. Yeah. You know, Tony Slappy <laughs> was like, Oh, you're the best one there. And I'm like, You're going to be really good. And I recorded it. So I've got some like, Yeah, I got really good feedback from it. So I carried on and did the next one and the next one and the next one. And, you know, it's like the the journey, you know, you get better
0: as you Yeah, get. no, definitely. Yeah. So you've only been going for what, a year and a half now?
1: Yeah, a year and a, yeah, more or less.
0: What, what when did you start? my first gig was July okay.
1: 2018,
0: so a year and a bit. A year and a bit, nice, nice. And you took your first Edinburgh show up within, within that year, which is incredible. Yeah. For start. So you, actually to mark your year, you did you did an Edinburgh show, which is yeah. really brave. Did you not get warned off that? People try to um, warn you off it, at least.
1: But I've written for so long. Yeah. So I've got that. i got the writing covered. It was just the performing. And, you know, it was my first year there. And it's the opportunity to do so many gigs. I did about 82 hours on stage over Edinburgh, you know, and I learned so much. Yeah. My show's good. It had good reviews. The Scotsman said, go see, go see this show. You know, they came to see me on my first ever gig, like my first hour long show ever. And then I got reviewed by the Scotsman. The words were amazing. Like, go see Darcy, go see this show. Darcy could be just what comedy needs. I was like, God, if they could only come back towards the end of Edinburgh. But it's luck of the draw, really. At least I got a review.
0: What people forget with Edinburgh is that the most important part of going to Edinburgh is coming back a more accomplished act, especially early on.
1: Definitely. That's what I wanted. I went there knowing that I needed a lot of stage time. Yeah. And I came back with just, I doubled my total ever stage time. I was like a different performer. Mm. I think about seven or eight gigs. a Day one, day, I did nine gigs one day. Nine, wow. yeah, including two hour shows. I did my hour show twice at one o'clock and three o'clock, and I got what I went for. Next year, my next show is going to be. It's going to be really good because I know, I know what I need to do and yeah. what I need to write. And
0: Have you got a name for your next year's show?
1: I don't. Okay. But
0: you got an idea what it's going to be about? Yeah, it's
1: going to be good.
0: Yeah. So that sounds
1: it, really cocky, doesn't it? I shouldn't say that. <laughs> that's fine. I think it's going to be good.
0: You think, I think it's, it's going to be good? Really it's good. going to be good. It's going to be good. You heard yeah. it here first. It's going to be an amazing show. When are you going to start the process of previewing then?
1: Um, I'm hoping to get up to Brighton in yeah. May. So around then, I think.
0: Brighton. Okay. Where, oh, on, what, year, what time is Brighton again? I think it's in May. In May. Okay. Yeah. So that's quite close. A lot, a lot of people start at Leicester Comedy Club. Yeah. Which is in February, I think.
1: Yeah, I've, I'll I'll polish, t- polish it all up over Christmas and
0: yeah yeah, uh, yeah. maybe weekend. maybe we could get on uh, do a couple of twenty minutes at the end of shows and that yeah would be good yeah great so what would you want to talk about this year then like well sorry next year for the next year's Edinburgh show
1: um what well, what I want to do um have like different things because I've got a lot of just stand up stand up without a theme you know just like stand up observational human whatnot but I think this year I want to do like just the transy one, you know, did the journey, the the life story, yeah. the difficulties, because I may as well do that once and I've got the material. Yeah. So I'm going to, it's going to be like that, you know, mixed with, a you know, some other things I'll go off on tangents, but it's going to be that, like the story, what it's like, you know, and I'll go on to like sexism and homophobia and transphobia and all that kind of stuff. Just get that, the PC one done. Then, the next year, I'm just going to start doing um like non-themed ones.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Because I want to.
0: Okay, great. I mean, yeah. so so your big event will be will be something to do with transgender, and you'll you'll get the material, sit the material around it, um, you know, sandwich it with with humour. But there'll be a big event that you talk about that sort of leads to, and then you do jokes off of that.
1: Yeah, because like the story, what it's like. Um, yeah, just like you know the big PC the the. Like the powerful gig, yeah, that talks about all the big points in life, and then yeah, the 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 one after it, I'll just do random long form, you know, jo- join it all together. I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, I th- I think it's on it's on point with with the Edinburgh sort of um, algorithm as well, and and so and, and it's something you're comfortable talking about now, and and it comes yeah. naturally to talk about it because you know so much about it.
1: Yeah, I don't like talking about it, strangely. No. Uh, like, when...
0: You can have a whole month of it.
1: I know, but <laughs> before I did, a, I wrote on um, the thing on uh, the Comedy Collective where I asked, you know, do I need to reference being trans? Yeah. And um, but I've told you about that, didn't I, a few yeah, ago? You and did. And, yeah, yeah, Um did, yeah. I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to be the stereotype, but, you know, now I've written them and I'm doing a bit of good for the world and people are like, you know, people see it and, you know, it's doing good people are happy and yeah it's
0: just it's, working for you so you, you're you motivated by it because it's working and because and it's popular with people
1: yeah so. and it's doing a bit of good for the world and people are realizing we're not freaks or weirdos you know we're just normal people that just struggle
0: yeah so it's just, nice
1: to do that you know
0: just unique Yeah. different different that's fine okay so you You won a competition, or you got to the final for a competition with the LGBTQ plus comedian of the Year. Yeah, was that this year? Yeah, this year, wow. okay so how was that how, how did that change your career?
1: Um, it just gave me a lot of confidence, you know I did I was very like honored and proud and lucky you know to get into the final. So, no, I loved it. I loved every minute of it.
0: Okay.
1: Um, I don't always... I don't only do LGBT material. I'm known for, like, dark material as well. And sometimes I miss it out. You know, if I do, like, village halls or older audiences, I just won't talk about transy stuff 'cause, stuff because, you know, they'll come out with pitchforks. You know, <laughs> they're, like... So,
0: fire on a stick and things yeah, like that. I'm yeah. definitely
1: not, like, a typecast-type thing. No. But, you know, if I'm doing, like, a club set with a youngish audience, then... You know, i definitely do that material, but it's only five, ten minutes of transy stuff anyway, then I just go darker and darker and darker normally. Yeah. Um, but, yeah.
0: So what's your opinion on grouping LGBTQ+, together in one thing? Because, uh, now, I, I could be completely wrong here, but it still feels like you've got hetero and then you're separating LGBTQ+, into a different category... Whereas it does not feel like it's integrating. Why? Why are they placing one group just because it sounds good in terms of an abbreviation? You know what? What eventually? What if you really want to be completely and utterly equal? Then we just go through the whole alphabet and just list everyone and then say so actually You know, this is we're just going to do the alphabet now because we're all the same.
1: Yeah, I I think there's some benefits. I think it's done more good than bad. Yeah, by a long yeah. shot. You know, it's given exposure and helped people but i don't know what the future holds because sam smith he's just you know said about you know the, the best new male artist hasn't he you read it yes, yes so, like, so that now is it the brit awards i don't know what it is they're saying oh we're going to get rid of best male best female artist and just have best artist so you know things are changing like that so i don't know what the future holds but it moves very quickly but i think so far it's been very advantageous.
0: And this worked for you in comedy.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. The only people it doesn't work for is straight white guys. And to, <laughs> they, to do the straight white guy comedian of the year, which isn't yeah. a bad idea, is it?
0: No, well, yeah, just segregate us, just us than every other fucker. Yeah, it's it's not it's not right. It's like what I don't think is right. I don't I don't think it's right to completely. Like sidelining an, an entire people because because they've had it easy for forty or fifty years, you know. Um, but well, at the I, same time, yeah. I think the arrogance to think that oh no, I can't I can't give up my my Saturday gig for somebody who's not me, you know. Is there's an element of what, some of well established or comedians that have been around for you know twenty odd years, whatever, are now being kicked off their pedestal. And they're not happy about it. You can understand why they wouldn't be happy about it. But then this, this should have been equal opportunity all the way along that. And it's just, we need to go so far to the left to offset the balance of the really far right. And eventually, I've said this on the podcast numerous times, eventually we'll end up somewhere in the middle. And we won't even, it's like booking this conversation with you today. Like it, nothing, None of those things crossed my mind. I've, I, I thought about it this morning briefly, but it wasn't why we're talking now. Just a person that's got a great story, and is a great comedian, and 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 it shouldn't even come into the picture, but we need to scrutinise those that aren't booking, you know, trans on gigs, aren't booking ethnic minorities on gigs. You need to, but eventually, I hope we just have a great bill of comedians, and some of them just happen to happen to be, you know, LGBTQ plus, for example.
1: Yeah. No, definitely. I, it's a big argument to have that. I will first of all say that at, at the moment, people seem to think that, um, you know, being prejudiced against white guys is acceptable. It's everywhere in social media. You know, white guys this, white guys that. It's like, well, you change the word white for black, it suddenly becomes extremely racist. I don't know, people seem to think it's okay to to, th- to marginalise white people because they've had it so easy and I'm like well two wrongs don't really make a right do they you know it does annoy me a little bit
0: no but I can't even begin to understand the angle the frustration that someone would feel from being oppressed for so many years or their family history being oppressed for so many years and so it's a really difficult one to to cover really because whilst I don't think it's good to spread hate or to be hateful or, or to be angry or blame at people that haven't really done anything like from my example, for me personally, I can speak for myself, I haven't done anything wrong, but I am straight and I am white. And so i then place in that category. But I do understand and I empathise with people that do challenge it and they should challenge it. And they, and it's, I don't necessarily agree with the way that it's being done, but I think it's important that it is being done. And I think it's better that it's done in the way it is being done than not being done at all.
1: Yeah, I could argue both points of positive discrimination.
0: Yeah, I try. Uh, Well,
1: positive discrimination um, gives the um, you know the vulnerable less uh, what do you call them people represented people um, the stage what they wouldn't otherwise have. So you know, gives them the spotlight. People see them and know that they're there. Um, But on the other hand, you're literally basing a decision on someone's sexuality, gender, or a race. Like you know, well that's just blatant prejudice, isn't it? I mean, you can't, if you're putting someone on stage simply because they identify as a woman or they're gay or the colour of their skin, it's like, well, that's everything we've always been told is wrong. But at the same time, are you just going to have, you know, an entire industry full of white guys and like just no women or no, you know, people of colour, you know, someone has to address the balance or do they? I don't know. You can argue both points. I know a couple of clubs that will, won't hire um, anyone on other things other than skill and talent. Mm. You know, they, they won't do it. They just say, I don't care if you're a woman or a man or whatever. If you're good, we'll put you on stage. But other clubs, you know, will go out of the way to, to put women on. I think somewhere in the middle is fine. I think now it's important, to, you know, to, to put women in Because the thing is, women like to see women is good you know women are good and this horrible old stereotype that women aren't funny and they just talk about period um <laughs> well obviously not me but you know they um they don't um you know women are funny and you know you, you have to put them on stage you know, to get there rid of that stereotype
0: do it i mean yeah it is difficult for promoters and it is there's a difference between understanding your audience and what what would go well you know having you know if you're trying to book in the interest of the audience and it happens to be like a right-wing audience that isn't going to accept certain people then their hands are tied in that sense I guess otherwise they'll lose lose clientele but at the same time I don't think there's an excuse There there, there are statistically less women on these forums on the collective on um open comedy all these different platforms that people use to book gigs there are statistically less but that doesn't mean that they're just it's just lazy promoting if you just accept the first 10 people that apply to a a gig and they just happen to be all men and you just accept them because it's it's easy and you're taking the shortcut fine but then you're going to get scrutinized and you have to accept if you're not going to be you know equal opportunity you're going to be scrutinized and it's up to you whether you can accept that and if you don't then that's that's your problem.
1: Yeah, but I think it's in every, you know, field and kind of job. The BBC are famous for it.
0: Yeah, big time, um, big time.
1: So I don't I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence. I can argue both points, but you know, I obviously benefit from it. So I'm
0: ride a, that wave as long as you can.
1: I'm a bit hypocritical, you know. <laughs> but but people are. You know, if you say you're not, you're lying, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You no. Know, I mean, but no one. I don't think anyone's saying that there shouldn't be all women bills or there shouldn't be positive discrimination. It's good that it's there. All. All I'm saying is that we shouldn't need it. We should not need positive discrimination because it shouldn't. It shouldn't even be spoken about. It should just be you. You're there on merit. You're there. You're now, a fantastic comedian, yeah, and that's it.
1: I completely agree. I think that's what where the future is going, because it always annoyed me the BBC did that thing, and then, you know, even. Like, even in comedy, you know, I'm like, well, yeah, if you're funny, you're funny. What does it matter? Because, you know, when you when you grow up, you tell skin colour doesn't matter, gender doesn't matter, sexuality doesn't matter. And it's like, well, hold on a second. The entire industry is just completely obsessed with it mattering. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, hold on. You're obsessed with this existing. And at the same time, you're telling me it doesn't exist. Um, But I don't know. So I'm somewhere in the middle. I think it's of benefit now. Maybe in the future it won't be. But I don't Maybe,
0: think. hopefully in the future, we wouldn't be having to have this conversation. No, no, we don't have to have this conversation, but it comes up because it needs to come up. It needs to, we need to talk about it. The more people that are talking about it, um, the better, because yeah. that's how attitudes are changed. You know, um, Who knows? Who knows? Do you feel that if you were born in the 2000s, that your life would have been easier identifying as a transgender woman
1: um yeah a million times easier
0: so how much different do you feel as a person now than you did growing up not really knowing who you who you can be
1: I um, it's like just t- turning a light switch on okay I can't describe it any other way than that because because I like women as well yeah so It was very confusing growing up. I'm like, well, hold on a second. How can I like women and be a woman with the wrong bodies? Like, it just doesn't exist, you know. It's in wrong with me. And then, you just think it it can't be, and then you realise that there's tens of thousands of similar people because sexuality and gender are two completely different things. It's just a quirk. A quirk. I'm, I'm not supposed to use that word. Are you not? No, I Ah. got told off for it. A quirk is a bad thing. Is it? It's an anormality. God, no, that's even worse. It's a random thing (laughs) that happens in nature. Some people... I see. Some people are gay. Some people are whatever. Some people are born with the wrong brains. Whatever.
0: This is why I avoid being vocal or or heart-hitting on social media. Because... I, I, I'd need I'd need an assistant to just check all the developments. Like, like person of color is to a person of color is regarded as racist because they see it as no different to colored, but the colored has been condemned, and so no one really knows what to say. I, I don't think I don't think it's that bad. To if someone is something, then that's it. If you can be honest about things we're too scared in britain we're too scared to talk about it. we're too scared to say the wrong thing i've read it when i've interviewed comedians i was, I was speaking to i think it was Sadia asmat and there was something that i asked and i stumbled on the question because i didn't know how to ask it without offending and she's the least likely person to be offended by anything and she thought it was stupid that i was even trying to yeah. query myself on it and so but it's um we're too scared we should, we should just be honest with it. it it's having these you know you going up on stage and talking about it, it shouldn't be any any different to another a, a white guy going and talking about dating and his small cock you know yeah. it's what's what's the difference
1: there isn't it's all that this woke culture PC oh, culture it's destroying comedy in the world yeah. really because you can't say anything it's like the reformation you can't say a single thing Without someone saying something is so bad. And I do really dark comedy as well, but I think I'd get away with it because I'm trans. But I think if other people <laughs> said it, but I don't like it because, you know, comedy is comedy and people yeah. are only offended when it affects them. You know, if you make fat jokes, I'll laugh all day. If you make a trans joke, I'll, I mean, i see above it, but I'd be offended because it, it affects me. Yeah. You know, if I banged along about, like, you know, a million other everything and started banging on about straight white guys. like well hold on that's me so people are only offended by their own stuff but they need i can't stand woke culture and pc culture they can all fuck off (laughs)
0: that's (laughs) that's recorded good snowflakes
1: should be clumped together and melted with piss
0: yeah which is my
1: most brutal awful terrible we're not
0: we're not inciting violence but if you're able to round up a load of snowflakes then we'll happily piss on them um, they, and put it on TV. Because
1: they just defend it. It's the outrage culture. they just yeah, like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm whiter than white. I'm the most virtue signaling motherfucker. Am I allowed to say that?
0: Yeah, do what you want, yeah. They just,
1: motherfucker, I hate them. Because they just like, hold on a second. What you're doing is limiting free speech. I mean, yes, there's limits. Comedy's being destroyed because you can't see anything.
0: Yeah, you I just, know no, it is. But I do th- I do think that like the professionals at the top of the game. Their, their material hasn't changed.
1: It's not, that's the way I think.
0: Yeah, it's only so, lower
1: down. You can't see anything.
0: What do you think to Joe Brand that time? It's quite a while ago now. When she supposedly incited violence with replaced that back uh, the, the uh, sorry the milkshake with battery acid. Um,
1: I thought it was just. I thought it was a sloppy thing to say because we live in a culture where someone would pick that up. You know all the, the right wing nutters that support that lovely Joyce person. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, it begins with F. Fuckhead.
1: Fuckhead. Yeah. Fucking should have been a brick.
0: So I've uh, really, I've really throwing her off now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just that, by using the great term, yeah. fuckhead. Fuckhead. Feels um, good, doesn't it? It does oh. actually. Alright, the next five minutes of this conversation is going to be fuckhead. Oh yeah. Fuckhead. Brilliant. Alright, cool, Karen.
1: Um. um yes. Yeah, so yeah, I thought she shouldn't have done it. It was a bit sloppy, but it was just comedy. And but only because in the culture we live in, she should have thought they're going to get me for it. But. It was great publicity for her, so there's that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not as if it's ended her career. She's still one of the best female comedians out yeah. there. and um, And she always will be. Okay, okay. So how much further do you think the comedy collective and society and things need to go to to make you feel like you are fully comfortable as and who you are?
1: Um, I don't think that's society. I think I've got my... That's my own demons.
0: Okay, so but it's your own baggage that you're carrying.
1: Yeah, it gets very... Dark because you know you always question yourself. You have imposter syndrome, but that's go it just goes into the, the whole gender thing. But yeah, I don't have periods. I'll never be pregnant. I Don't suffer physically, and women do suffer more physically. You know, to get
0: do- yeah yeah, and um, know. the the closest a man will ever get to experiencing the pain that a female experience as if as if he gets kidney stones yeah that's about the closest it gets that's
1: it It's sad, you know so I get imposter syndrome I was like, I'm a real I'm a real and I'm like well I am real because I I know I'm a woman and I'm, it's an awful thing to live with being trans it's very difficult yeah so I I don't know but comedy's been very good for me it's very cathartic you know going on stage and banging on about it and um So, yeah, I think everything's fine. I'm lucky to be alive in this time. Definitely, definitely, I'm allowed to exist.
0: What do you want to get out of the next year in terms of comedy?
1: I would like to perform at all the big clubs. All of them, I'd like to progress. Um, And then I'd like to do an Edinburgh show. That'd be good. I'd just like to jump to the next level, you know, because I do well my club set. You know, it does really well. And um, I think because I've done well quite quickly, people find it difficult to know, they look like, well, you know, you're going you've to be going for like a year and four months, you know, how good can you be? So it's quite difficult to make the jump, you know. So I'm doing, I'd say mostly paid spots now, but to make, you know, the big leap to the big clubs. Yeah. You know, when they saw you eight months ago and you weren't all that good, you know, to say, well, look it, just clicked one day, which it did. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know.
0: So tell me about that. So, you'd been going through a, a supposedly a time where you're sort of questioning yourself whether you're good enough or not. And you got a gig, you, you did a gig that changed it all for you.
1: Um, it was in, um, yeah, about, when would it have been? After about a year, in July, I was just like, you know, I can smash, I can smash, like if something goes wrong, I'll work around it and I'll, and I'll still do well. And that was kind of the revelation moment when I thought, I don't just have to follow the set. You know, if it goes off script, I can still deal with it. Yeah. Or hecklers, and I'll just destroy them. And I thought, yeah, I can handle this like any audience. And then, but when it really clicked was in Edinburgh. I was just like, yeah, nothing can get me. You know, I'll always turn it round. And I thought, that's pretty much the only skill I think you really, really need is the ability to. Kind of. Adapt. Yeah. Okay. Um. But I'm not. I don't want to come across. I, hope I don't come across as cocky, do I? I don't. Well, do no, I.
0: no. I don't think so. Oh, I'm good. Th- if if you think you're just coming across as cocky, give me a message, alright If I don't receive any messages, then I'll take it that you I haven't, haven't. I don't know. I don't know what to
1: say. I much prefer um talking myself down.
0: To, uh, well, if you want to see her talk herself down, go and see her uh, latest gigs and go and watch her. Yeah. And that way, you can see her talk herself down. This is just a preview to the real Darcy. See yeah. all that we're talking about now. But.
1: It's good. Come and see me. It's funny.
0: So, where can people follow you and go and see you?
1: Um, I have a Facebook page or two. I put gigs on there. I have a website as well because I wrote a book about the backpacking, but not bought it, but never mind.
0: What was that called?
1: Uh, backpacking into Darkness
0: okay so people can buy it so people can go onto your website i think it's darcysilver.com yeah um, with that and with that's an ie for darcy silver yeah and you can buy the book there can you
1: yeah because it was um two lesbians one transgender the other one's going blind um backpacking around the world but from really weird places like uh out mongolia to uh, north korea to like just the most bizarre things ever happened
0: buy it Right. What's your what are your Twitter handles and social media handles
1: at um, Darcy Silver and um, Facebook is um, Darcy Silver Comedian yeah. with Darcy with an I E I know I'm always putting funny stuff on Facebook I yeah. wish you could put longer stuff on Twitter
0: oh yeah you only get something like 240 it's characters stupid it's just like yeah. well
1: no I need more than that to make it they
0: did increase it from 140 yeah. didn't they to 240 should um, make it 940 940 yeah. god no one's going to read that, that um, Twitter's one of those things that just It's a place to put things on, not to read things from, I find. You just put something on there because I want to put it on there and don't really care if someone sees yeah. that. Yeah,
1: I put a lot on Facebook.
0: So you've been paid up and down the country for comedy. Yes. You've conquered Britain. You've still, you still have got a few other things to achieve in England, but you're venturing out of England.
1: Yeah, I'm in Berlin on the last week of November. I have three or four gigs. So that'll be nice to go over there and, you know, strap my stuff. See how that goes. Um but yeah, the European scene's quite big at the moment, so I'm looking, you know, to go away here and there.
0: Would you venture out any further than that? Would you go? Are you thinking about doing America at all? Or
1: um, yeah, as long as they don't lynch me and shoot me, then you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, it depends where you go. Los Angeles is pretty woke. I think. Yeah, yeah so be th- right. that'd
1: be nice. I'd love to do the Australian Fringe one year. You
0: know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd love yeah. to do that. Melbourne Festival, I think. It's cool. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so so much for t- talking to me today, Darcy. and um, uh, all the information about how you can follow Darcy and go onto the website all of that stuff will be in the show notes but check her out she's amazing thank you so much for joining me Darcy
1: thank you very much hello I'm
0: Luke Anthony do you love hearing about the stars careers lives and mental health or meet the stars it's a brand new podcast all about that Join me every week from Wednesday the 2nd of December for an excellent conversation with a different star each episode. Simply go over to members.starevents.online to become a member which gives you exclusive access to every episode and so many other brilliant features just for you. See you there.